everybody, welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta. I'm your host, Bob Rathman, and coming up this week, a conversation with ESPN's Chris Spatola. We talk about all things college basketball across the country. Great insights from Chris. You won't want to miss that coming up in just a moment. Want to call your attention to our 22-23 Jersey Mike's Naismith Girls and Boys High School Midseason Teams. They are now out. You can check them online at NaismithTrophy.com. And, of course, follow along on social media as well, our Twitter Instagram and Facebook have the info also, and you can find out where these young people are headed if they've made their college decisions. Follow them uh, the rest of the high school season, but just great talent, and we are happy to honor them with our midseason teams that are out right now. Looking ahead to the weekend on the men's side, another couple of great matchups in the Big 12, and isn't that just a commonplace every weekend in the Big 12. This weekend, number 11, Kansas State, will play at number 17, TCU. Also, number 14, Iowa State, will be at number 2, Kansas. Interesting game in the ACC this weekend. On Saturday afternoon, late, it'll be Duke at Clemson. Now, most years, the faithful Phil Littlejohn hoping their Tigers can spring the upset over Duke. Well, it might be a little role reversal this year. Clemson, is 5-0 in the ACC as they welcome a Duke Blue Devil team. And we'll talk with Chris about uh, some of the shortcomings that we've seen from the Blue Devils here early uh, with our conversation with Chris Patola in just a moment. Sunday, Big 12, number 25 Marquette will play at number 12 Xavier. In women's basketball, what a matchup. Friday night, top 10 affair at Pauley Pavilion at Stanford at UCLA. And then Sunday, The rivals get together on ESPN. NC State will play at North Carolina. And we'd like to extend our congratulations to the Illinois women's basketball team. They cracked the top 25 for the first time in 23 years. Illinois is 14-3. They were just 7-20 a year ago. First-year head coach Shauna Green has done an amazing job. What a turnaround. She said... My players weren't even born yet the last time we were in the top 25. In fact, she was a sophomore in college the last time Illinois was ranked. So congratulations to the Fighting Illini. My conversation with Chris Patola when we come back after this from Jersey Mike's. Did you know at Jersey Mike's, when you get a sub Mike's way, you're getting all the authentic toppings, onions, lettuce, tomatoes, oregano, and the juice. And did you know I, Danny DeVito, am a world-class opera singer? While the first statement about Mike's way at Jersey Mike's is true, we cannot confirm that Danny is actually singing Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Oh, yeah? Figaro, 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 Oops. Our sneaking suspicion that Danny was not singing opera, but in fact playing a record has been confirmed. Knew it. Ask for your sub Mike's way. Jersey Mike's. A sub above. Great to catch up with a man who we see and hear all the time during college basketball season, particularly on the ACC network, uh, on the radio, and then we see him, of course, all over ESPN. And it is, it's our time of year, and we're great to, to have Chris Patola on with us. Chris, how are you, sir? Good to catch up. It is great to catch up, Bob. You're one of my favorite people, uh, so it's, it's, thank you for having me on. It's great to chat with you, as always. Well, we appreciate all you do for the Naismith Awards, that's for sure. Uh, zaniness, I think, is the best way to describe what we've seen so far in college basketball. And it may stay this way. Who knows? This is nuts. I want to start with uh, the Big 12 and Kansas State. 
the Tang Gang. Uh, Coach Tang has come in, and Jerome has has done incredible job. They are now number 11 in the country, Chris, and last week they weren't even in the poll. The biggest jump since this poll went to 25 teams years ago. What about Kansas State? Is this for real? Well, it's absolutely for real. Um, and, you know, look, to your point about ex- expectations coming in, uh, they were picked last, 10th uh, out of a 10-team league in the, in the Big 12. Um, as you mentioned, new head coach, obviously a guy who's, who's been an assistant at Baylor for a long time, and Jerome Tang, and, and uh, so he's been around the league a long time. Um, but in this era, and, you know, I think so much of, of preseason stuff is becoming less and less valuable as an indicator, Bob, because we have, you know, this transfer portal now, and coaches can go out, they can pluck guys, bring them in, play them right away. Um, and it can change the narrative on, on these teams so quickly. I mean, you know, Iowa State being another example within that Big 12. Um, but in the case of Kansas State, the reason I say they're for real is they have good players. Like, you know, Keontae Johnson, prior to him collapsing at, at Florida a couple seasons ago, I mean, he was the SEC's preseason player of the year. Now, obviously, he's been through a lot, but if he came back to even – two-thirds of the player he was when he was at, at Florida, he was, he was going to be a, a very nice addition. Desi Sills, who they bring in out of the portal, was a starter on Arkansas's team that went to the Elite Eight a couple years ago. Marquise Noel uh, had a really good season and came on late at the end of last season. Naquan Tomlin, you know, Jerome Tang goes out, gets him out of the, out of the junior college ranks. He was a junior college All-American. The point is, they're good players, and, and their, their talent level is high. And so when you combine that with coaching, you combine that with, uh, a, I think, a defensive identity that they've established here, um, you know, their only loss was to that, that Butler loss, uh, which was on the road uh, at Butler. Um, and, they, and they're obviously a significantly different team since. So uh, they, are, they are certainly for real. It's incredible how these teams uh, – just jump up with this portal. You know, I, I was thinking, Chris, the other day, college sports and college basketball have two things that the pros would never have, which is no salary cap and unlimited free agency. I mean, the fact that you could walk in today and tell your coach I'm leaving uh, is still, for those of us who've been around the game a while, mind-boggling. Does it still strike you that way, or, or are we just kind of old dinosaurs in that regard? No, I, you know, it's, it's hard to have your mind boggled with in college athletics these days, Bob, and I, I don't say that as an expert. I, 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 honestly, I say that as somebody who has been knocked back, um, not at where we've evolved to, but just at the speed of the evolution. Like, we, are, we have gotten to where we are as you and I sit here and talk today. We've gotten here very quickly. And I think one of the things – you bring up a very important point, and, and I hear this from a lot of coaches – and I hear it from a lot of NBA guys that I talk to on the road. And it has more to do with the economics of it, which is to say, in your league, you guys have contracts. Like, both sides are protected. There's, things are collectively bargained. You, you have salary caps. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that we're dealing with in college right now, it's, the issue is not necessarily that athletes are being paid, which they, they have every right to be. I mean, at this point in time, I think we've come philosophically philosophically to that point I think the the problem that we're seeing now is that rules are not enforceable so any rules that are in place are are not being followed they're not enforceable 
there is no protection on both sides. There's nothing written in terms of contracts, in terms of, well, a player has to stay here or a coach has to, you know, what that relationship ultimately uh, is determined by. Um, and then, like you said, there, there's, you know, this idea of players transferring right away, playing right away. Are they able to transfer again? Some guys are getting waivers. There's just a lot that, that we have not been able to get our arms around, and, and, and a lot of it has having to do with the NCAA being toothless, and you know now they have a, a new head of that organization. There's just a lot of, of volatility, and, and I think it's one of the reasons that the, the power brokers in our, in our sport and try to get some legislation around this. Um, but I think you hit it right on the head, and it's one of the things that obviously you have mobility at, at, at the professional ranks, but it is uh, there are, as we use the term, guardrails around what's going on. And, and business relationships are established by contracts and by those types of economic relationships. I think one of the guys that can handle this better than most are guys that had experience with it maybe in the G League. I think of a guy, Chris, like Eric Musselman, who, when he was coaching in the D-League back then, he didn't know who was going to show up from day to day. And you see the success he's having in Arkansas is kind of embracing the the new reality. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I, I think guys like Coach Muss, rather than sitting around and lamenting where we're at, um, ha- have understood that you're either going to adapt or die uh, at this point in time. Um, so I, I think there is a, a philosophical shift that some coaches have made more quickly um, the other thing I would point out, and this is specific to NIL, Bob, you know, certain states have different laws on what you're allowed to do when it comes to NIL. So th- that's, that's a part of it. The other thing is certain schools, and a lot of it based on those, those state laws, a lot of schools have figured this out more quickly than others. And, you know, look, the cynical view of that is, well, these were schools that were doing this when it was illegal, uh, and so they have those systems in place. I also think there's a less cynical view, and it's that, look, some schools have, again, rather than sitting, sitting around and lamenting where we're at, have said, let's try to figure this out uh, in terms of NIL. And NIL, make no mistake about it, is a big, big part of the recruiting process now, both transfers and kids out of high school. So, I think the way in which schools have evolved, and in some cases at, at the urging of their head coaches, has, has played a big part. Um, but we have definitely seen that. You know, guys like Coach Muss and others along the way have, have sort of said, we're, gonna, we're trying to win here, and we're going to figure this out as quickly as we can. Let's um, get your thoughts, Chris, on a couple of other things. Um, let's go to the ACC. Uh, another story sort of similar to Kansas State is the Clemson Tigers. Nobody in the world saw this coming. Uh, for them to be leading the conference here as we get into to the middle of January, um, happy for Brad Brownell to be sure. But what a what a crazy getaway in the in the Atlantic Coast Conference. It uh, you know it's hard to put your finger on it a lot of times. But, boy, it's just nuts in the ACC. Who would have thunk Clemson and Pitt would have played last weekend for first place? Yeah, you know, it, it's so true. And, and first of all, I, I think both of those coaches are really good coaches who, if you go back over the last few years, have had a number of different things kind of go, long, go wrong along the way. And, and I think what you're finding, you know, just starting with Pitt real quick, I, I think what you're finding, it goes back to the portal and what we've been talking about. 
four of Jeff Capel's five starters are guys who were not on his roster last year. They're all transfers who have come in from other places. The fifth starter is a player named Jamarius Burton, uh, who was a transfer from Texas Tech, who, who was on the roster last year, but is in year two with Jeff Capel. And he's having, he's, you know, been one of the five best players in the ACC. And so you could turn these things around quickly, you know, with the, with the portal. And I think Jeff has done that. In the case of Clemson, it's a little bit different in that, you know, he's had two really versatile big kids, two really talented players, uh, Hunter Tyson and PJ Hall, who were both hurt over the last couple years in, in various ways. And so they've been in and out of, out of lineups. And it's obviously impacted the team that they have. Um, but he's got both those guys back. Hunter Tyson has played really, really well. Um, they've got a, a point guard, a, a young point guard in the name of Chase Hunter, who's had uh, his plugged him into the point guard position, uh, who's had a very good start to the year. They did get a transfer from Boston College in Brevin Galloway. Um, so they're just, you know, they're, they're incredibly old. They're very good defensively, which Brad Brownell has kind of hung his hat on. And then, you know, they, they've made shots. You know, they're a very, an outstanding three-point shooting team. Uh, and they're a tough matchup because of their versatility up front. And they're playing in a league, Bob. I mean, I don't want, I'm not saying this to take away from Clemson per se, but they're playing in a league where there's been a lot of volatility up top. Duke is still trying to find itself. Carolina, who I think is the most talented team in the league, has obviously been up and down. Um, Virginia, you know, we'll kind of see as, as they evolve. I still think they're probably, they and Miami are the two best teams in the league. But it's just been real volatile at the top, and I think that's kind of how that league is going to be this year. This year. Yeah, Duke's always under the microscope for obvious reasons. Uh, this year a little bit more so with, with John Shire taking over. But we've noticed, Chris, they go through these elongated scoring droughts. Uh, they would The other day at BC, over nine minutes without a field goal, the dreadful start against NC State. What is your take on what's happened with the Blue Devils? Well, I think there's a, there's a number of different things. I mean, first of all, start with continuity. They, they, you know, they began the year without Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead, who were you know, top five recruits coming in out of, out of high school. And so you expect it, if you're John Shire, to have those two guys. Um, the other thing I would say, if you look at that freshman class overall, Bob, is, you know, they are college bodies and college players playing in college. Paolo Bancaro, a guy that you're now intimately familiar with, was a professional player playing in college, and he became Duke's best player by the end of the year. They don't have a Paolo Bancaro this year. It's just kind of how that freshman market goes. But I think if you're Shire coming into this season, you expected Lively, Filipowski, Derek Whitehead to be your best players. Jeremy Roach, who's been hurt, he didn't play the other day against BC. Again, it gets to that continuity point. He's been good for them. I don't know if you can win big if he's your best player. Um, and so I think that's kind of what they're having to figure out, Bob. And so they've, the freshmen haven't panned out. They're playing a transfer from Northwestern and a kid named Ryan Young, who's been very productive for them. But again, is a, a Ryan Young, who's you know not nearly the ceiling as these, these freshmen, if he's your best interior player, how good are you ultimately going to be? Uh, they have a ton of time, obviously, to figure it out. We've got a lot more basketball to play. But, um, but they're not real skilled on the offensive end. 
They've actually been helped because they're an outstanding offensive rebounding team, so it has helped their offense. Uh, but they just haven't. Consistency's been a real problem, and I, I don't think teams fear them to the degree that, you know, I, I think over the last couple of years, certainly last year, you know, Duke kind of carried the mantle in the league, and they just don't have that kind of juice, that type of juice that they've had over the past couple seasons. I want to get your take quickly on the Big Ten. Uh, Purdue, Michigan State, um, Indiana certainly been a disappointment. Uh, your take on the Big Ten, what do you see? Yeah, you know, that league, Bob, so often, has, it's it's so homogeneous, meaning like there's a there's just a lot of, parity, a lot of similarity in style of play, a lot of similarity in, you know, obviously like uh, post-play has, has really kind of been the calling card of that league over the last few years. Um, and so it's interesting night after night as, as these teams line up, you know, you're kind of getting similar matchups. Um, you know, I thought Illinois was going to have a really good season at the beginning of the year. They just haven't quite panned out. Um, you know, Michigan State has been hurt. They're starting to play a little bit better. I, I think they're going to – I think they're a team to keep an eye on over the last month and a half uh, of this season. Um, but, I, look, I think Purdue is the best team. I think uh, I felt that way coming into the season. I think it has certainly panned out. And then when you have, like, a Braden Smith who's had as good a year, uh, the freshman, as he has had, um, you know, I think it's Matt Painter certainly proven he can he can recruit – and they've got one of the one of the toughest matchups in all of college basketball in Zach Eady. So I don't think the league is as good as it's been. Um, I think there's a lot of parity in that league this year, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out as the year moves forward. Eady is, of course, a young man that we here at the Naismith Awards have our eye on as he is one of the leading contenders uh, for the Jersey Mike's Naismith National Men's Player of the Year. Uh, if, you know, if you're a college basketball fan of any uh, any Salt, you know all about Zach. Uh, he's the biggest kid out there. Uh, this guy has really seemed to add to his game. Have you had a chance to see him in person lately? I have, Bob. Yeah, I, I, I have seen him. Um, he, he's an absolute monster. Um, and, and I don't mean just his size. I mean his size combined with his skill set and, and, and uh, dexterity. You know, this is a kid, Bob, that grew up he did not grow up playing basketball. He's from Canada. He grew up playing hockey, ice hockey. He grew up playing baseball. And it's interesting, Matt Painter, when he first started recruiting Zach Eady, he wanted to go watch him play baseball. I think he was a pitcher. And Painter wanted to see him play baseball because he wanted to see how, how Eady would field, how he would field a hit ball. He wanted to see how he would bend over, how he would move laterally. And you know, we in this in America now, like we young people, they they are so specialized. Like they grow up, and and we're forcing them to play one sport. And I think what you learn from a Zach Eady is that even a guy that massive, it it helps him as a basketball player to have played other sports. And so I think when you take that type of context into watching him play, you understand now how he's able to move, how good a feel he has how good a feet, how good a hands. Um, look, he's leading the nation in offensive rebounding percentage. He rebounds about 20% of the misses, of produced misses when he's out there on the floor. He's a monster on the defensive glass. He gets your team into foul trouble. He's one of the best in the country at drawing fouls. 
he's just a really tough matchup. And as he's played more basketball and gotten more comfortable, he's he's become you know really tough to, to game plan for in scheme. Um, and he's a terrific young man. I mean, he's exactly what the Naismith Award is about and what it what it ultimately represents. So he's he's a lot of fun to watch. He's even bigger and more impressive in person when you see him. Uh, and there is no question that he is he is one of the front runners right now as you and I talk for that award. Well, Chris, we could talk for days. This is so great. Uh, your insights are, are so fantastic. And we thank you for taking time to, to be with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on TV. This will come out this week. So tell us your schedule. Where can we watch you on TV coming up? Yeah, I uh, Wednesday night I am uh, I'm, I'm doing TCU, Texas. Uh, so I'll do that. I'll be in Austin for that one. And then... Um, I've got to Oklahoma State on the road at Baylor uh, on on Saturday, uh, so that's uh, that's what I got coming up here. Uh, a couple Big Twelve matchups. Fantastic! We will be glued to the tube. Chris, thanks so much for taking time to be with us. Pleasure's all mine, Bob. Thank you. That's going to do it. Make sure to check out our high school midseason teams. Always interesting. Keep tabs on the next generation of Naismith Award winners. That's it for now. Until next week, from all of us here in Atlanta, Bob Rathbun saying so long.